What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Live Free Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Maxwell. Today's guest is Mr. Dave Kinsey. He joins us via Skype from his studio in Los Angeles. We talk pivotal moments, Atlanta, which we talk about Atlanta so much. It's so funny. I need to go back out there again. Uh, we talk Dallas, Austin, the Quadra 900, Jazz and Scents, Shirtless Indian Guy, Homelessness, Legos, The Golden Age, Political Discombobulation, Greed, Son of a Preacher Man, Attention, Spock Uniforms, Mike Giant, Library Street Collective, and Changing Life. So, as always, make sure you go check out MikeMaxwellArt.com. Actually, I, I guess I should address this before plugging my website. The website's been down all week. I apologize. Um, this is the first episode that's going up via YouTube first. The podcast website and my website should be up on Friday. My web hosting company has really been having a tough December. They've had a number of issues with their email and their servers and uh, their websites. And so I'm trying to give them the money to get the website back up, uh, but it isn't working right now. So Friday, and it so happens that it just it, it just so happens to follow to fall on Christmas. So everyone's out of work and everybody's been like hounding the sales and their customer service for, I think all month, just grilling them. So again, I apologize about the show not being up on iTunes and Stitcher and the website being down right now. But as soon as it's back up, uh, you'll be able to get this show also on iTunes. Uh, if you're getting it on iTunes now, disregard the previous message. <laughs> um, so yeah, as always, f- make sure you go follow the podcast at Live Free Podcast on Facebook and on Twitter. Uh, follow me at Mike Maxwell Art. Follow the most important person on the show, Mr. Producer Lex, at Producer Lex on Twitter and the Facebook like page. Um, and follow Dave at Kinsey Visual on the Instagrams. And you can find all his stuff online. I'm sure you already know it. Um, so let's just jump right into this thing. So. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Mr. Dave Kinsey. Producer Lex, we're back. Another episode of the Live Free Podcast. It's been, shit, it's been a couple weeks since we've sat down and recorded, so it's nice to be back at it again. You just got back from... Uh, our brothers south of the borders, <laughs> yeah, land Mexico. Yeah, how was that? Um, I was a little sketchy about it at first. Was it a holiday excursion? No. Well, just... well, actually, I don't know. My wife wanted to see her family. Yeah, but they were like, "You should have came in like a couple weeks when like the holiday stuff is happening." And I'm yeah. not, I'm not down for like all that holiday stuff. It just kind of like weird because I always think of um, what's that noise? Yeah, I don't know. We're getting a fuzz. Yeah. Oh. Might have been me. Is your... Seems f- like this. There we go. It's completely okay. gone. All right. Well, and then... um, I don't know. I feel like the whole people and how they came about from, like, being raped and from, like, all the missionaries and yeah, stuff. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Thinking about the history. Yeah, I'm thinking about the history. Christianity moved through South America and just, like, and up into Mexico. completely yeah. demolished everything. And I was, like, thinking about the people, like, they're so naive. Not Not, like... It's been generations, yeah. But Mexicans love their Catholicism. Yeah, they do. But it was actually really fucking awesome. I mean, 
Uh, everybody was nice. You get to get out of American culture for a minute. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. You notice how like there was a real strong sense of community uh-huh. in the area that we were at. Yeah. And what uh, part of Mexico was it? It was like Michoacan. Michoacan. Yeah. I threw a little accent on that one for you. Nice. So uh, that's cool. Um, I just basically trained and did my thing here. Yeah, I gotta go um, back. I got my balls broke for talking about jujitsu too much on the podcast. Oh, but it doesn't matter. It's funny. <laughs> um, we got Dave Kinsey on the show today. Yeah, one of my earliest influences um, and sort of mentors, I guess mm-hmm. it's fair to say. Um, I met him in my early twenties and sort of kind of learned the art game. Yeah, yeah. Um, through him on some level for a few years so uh it's good to have him on the show we've been trying to get him on for a while and uh we're gonna sit down and talk to him here in a minute so that'd be awesome um let's just jump right into this thing if you don't mind no you feel good about it i feel good about it all right let's give dave a call what's up mike dave kinsey what's up my friend how you doing man i'm good it's i'm i'm uh I'm stoked to have you on the podcast finally. We've been working to to try to get you on for a minute. Yeah, it's been what like two years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, and you know it's so funny. Like that's how it goes. Like it takes. It's like the gears are turning, but it takes that one last turn for the cogs to all fit up and yeah, get all the yeah. shit together. Yeah, I checked out the website. Uh, I've been looking at it and stuff, and, and uh, I guess since we've talked, you've done a lot of you've done a lot of great interviews. So I'm glad to uh, to help you know support yeah. what we're doing. Yeah, man, I'm stoked to have you on. Like it's. Um, this art thing is funny, and and I was just telling Lex in in the uh, the intro there that really like I feel like you were one of my early mentors. Like you know, coming out of high school, I had no fucking idea what was going on with art or design or art making, right. and um, I got the opportunity to work with you for a couple years when. Uh, you and Shep were doing Black Market here in San Diego, which I've talked about on the podcast as like, right. you know, like a pinnacle moment in my life. Right. Um, but let, let's jump back a little bit before then. I guess that was the late 90s. You, you ended up in San Diego, but you did grow up in Pittsburgh. That- yeah. Yeah. I was, well, I didn't, uh, yeah, I was born there. Um, but, you know, first off, I appreciate you. Um, I appreciate the the kind words, man. That's super awesome. Um, you know, it was cool that you were able to be around at that time because, you know, for better or for worse, it was a pretty crazy, crazy experience on a lot of levels because we were sort of doing something that was kind of hadn't really been done before I and mean, maybe on a certain level, but not on, on the level that we sort of anticipated um, heading towards. But, yeah, I basically... I was born in Pittsburgh, and I've sort of floated around my whole life. I lived uh, mainly in the Northeast, like the Philadelphia area, uh, Maryland, Delaware, um, Eastern Pennsylvania. And that's pretty much like where, that was pretty much my stomping grounds. And then I lived in uh, California and Los Angeles and San Francisco for about a year when I was younger, and that's what sort of brought me back. I mean, once I had that experience, it changed me. Um, I just had that, got to experience a nice balance between sort of, an urban culture and also a, a beach culture, which was which was appealing to me because I love warm weather. Yeah, right. And and there's sort of a, a heavy difference coming from a very like industrial part of the country where it's a very working class. There's a very a, a different type of lifestyle. It seems like in- yeah, Pittsburgh is a harsh place. I mean, um, I mean, I left there for a reason because it was it's real sort of it's real grimy. Um, you know, for lack of a better word, but you know, um, 
so it was it was good to get out of there and you know i i, I when i go back now i i I really appreciate the, the the sort of the roots that the city has. I didn't appreciate it when I was younger, and Pittsburgh has changed a lot. Luckily, you know, um, it's kind of come back, came back from the whole steel industry just sort of leaving and, and leaving the city in ruins. Um, but at that time, it was great because I mean, there was so much graffiti that was starting to pop up all over the places, and that's the stuff that really sort of got my mind to to start thinking about like you know, the, the using stuff on the street within the urban context. And it sort of was something that really set me on my way. Yeah. So were, were, were you making art before that context? Were you? Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I mean, I made I made art my whole life, you know what I mean? But sure. the, the funny thing is like, I, I never like, when I was younger, it wasn't something that like you, you strive to achieve in your life. You're not like, Oh, I'm going to be an artist. You know, most people are like, well, you're going to be a doctor or a lawyer or you're going to be a businessman or you're going to go to college, you're going to get married, blah, blah, blah. So none of these things were sort of presented to me, um, at least artistic things, weren't presented to me as an option. So it was through skateboarding and through doing street art and through meeting people that I started to figure out that, wow, this is actually something that, that I can do for the rest of my life. you know. And once I hit art school, it all hit home. And so you, you went south and went down to atlanta for art school which seems to be a like a common like creative hub like a a place where people go or even like the people who grew up who grow up in atlanta in the georgia area there seems to be a weird creativity that comes from that southern portion of the country and i I mean we we get it with music a lot but even in fine arts there seems to be no i i totally agree i think i think what creates a lot of tension which you know, therefore, sort of fuels people to become outspoken on on a creative level is just the, the 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 juxtaposition between Atlanta and the South being right there. I mean, it's like you know, everyone's always like, "Yeah, Atlanta's dope, but it's surrounded by Georgia." You know, and and uh, <laughs> but the thing is, it was weird too because I mean, you know, during the weekends you would have these these you know, I don't really know what I want to call them. I, I don't know if I want to call them hillbillies or rednecks or just like more like you know rural people they would come into the city and they would just wreak havoc and you know so there was this always this crazy sort of melting pot of people in the city because you know atlanta itself i think is like 70 percent um african-american so so once you get outside the city it's like you're crossing over into a whole different sort of mindset so I think that's what sort of fueled a lot of the artists that were there because, I mean, skateboarding and hip-hop and all that stuff was really huge in, in Atlanta, and, and I really didn't see that coming until I got there, and I started meeting people, and I was like, wow, this is crazy. Like, this is actually an amazing city. It's kind of like New York in a way. Yeah, and that was that there was like a real buzz with Atlanta hip-hop at that time. Like, even in the mainstream, I guess, for as mainstream as hip-hop was at the time, yeah. like... That was where like all the producers were coming out of Atlanta, like the guys who were making like the best beats or whatever, right. you know, like all the top ten, top twenty songs. Yeah, and then it yeah. went to uh, like Miami and the whole uh, oh, like that Cuba, no Cuba, limit. Puerto it Rican. went to no limit. Yeah, no limit yeah, I mean, soldiers. I mean, that yeah, there was like uh, <laughs> there was a lot of groups that came out of there. I mean, unfortunately, there was a lot of that like really bad R and B shit too, and like crisscross and shit. Yeah, and, um, but rest but in peace. Was- Crisscross. That one yeah. kid, one of the kids died. Yeah. Yeah, I heard about that. And, you know, I, I actually hooked up with um, 
I actually started doing a lot of stuff in the hip hop industry for like these random hip hop groups that, you know, I'd meet them. Like I met a lot of people just on the streets doing graffiti. I'd be doing graffiti and these dudes would roll up to me and they'd look all like they'd roll up in like a Benz and they'd be like, yo, man, I want, I got this fucking record and I want you to fucking do my graphics for it. And I love the guard and I'm like, yeah, cool. I'll do some shit. So I started building this network of people I was working with. And then that led me to sort of um, Dallas Austin and Dallas Austin, um, I think my last year of art school, I did a lot of work for him with Busta Rhymes and with a lot of the groups that he was producing at the time. And, and he was he was awesome. He was super supportive of what I was doing. And it was cool because, you know, I was like, you know, basically the only white person in the whole building. And it was it was really it was awesome to be, to be in that sort of place. It felt really good. It felt really comfortable for me, you know. So were you already doing um, computer graphics by then or were you, you know, I, I guess... Um some yeah, cause, I, I mean, I, I was, I mean, luckily, I, I, I learned the I learned the Macs early on. Um, I think I was, my first computer was the Quadra 900. And, you know, if anyone knows anything about the history of the Apple computers, I mean, we had, like, so little RAM that I used to have to throw away fonts to make room, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. more RAM. It was really crazy. The computers are really expensive, but I basically, when I got out of art school, actually, Andy Howell taught me how to use the computer, um, because he was kind of up on all that stuff, and and no one knew how to do it back then. So I basically just saw kind of an opportunity for myself to really sort of nurture that that tool and understand that tool and use it to sort of further myself with, with whatever I was doing. And it didn't matter if it was painting or designing or drawing. I mean, I used the computer for everything. So I started doing stuff, and then as I met people, I started realizing how how important of a tool that was for for making a living, you know, and I just, things just went, they started going crazy from there, you know? Yeah. So you were already painting then too, but besides doing stuff on the street, like spray paint stuff or, and yeah, I kind of started off doing graffiti and I, I, you know, I started off with my first tag was X factor and uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was pretty kind of fucking embarrassing actually. But, um, I didn't, uh, I didn't, uh, I didn't really think about it much. It was kind of like I, the first graffiti pieces I saw in, in Pittsburgh, I, I was really sort of drawn to their, their like the anonymity of the piece, like who did that? Like when did they do it? Like why they do it? Yeah. So I wasn't really drawn to the whole like sort of cliche of graffiti and crews and all that stuff. So so when I started doing graffiti, I, I started off doing X Factor and then once I started realizing I, I met these two graffiti writers in Atlanta named Sense and Jazz and they were like hardcore, lived in bad neighborhoods and they pretty much just like you know, took me under their wing and just showed me the ropes and said, like, this is what you do and this is what you don't do, and otherwise you can get your ass kicked. And I'm like, okay, cool. So, <laughs> so they used to write, like, manifestos on the wall and shit to, like, us because we were sort of these new jack kids that were young. And Right. Anyways, um, I ended up becoming really good friends with them, and that at that point I changed my tag to Boost. And, um, do, you and think, I did that. do you think those lessons still get taught in the same way? No, yeah. no, they no. Can't. It's completely changed, especially now with like the modern form of sort of neo neo graffiti or, or street art or urban contemporary or whatever the fuck you want to call it. Yeah. Um, it's 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 really changed. I mean, it's it's a lot different than it was. And I think back then, what the energy that was behind it, at least for me, was there was a transition that was happening around that time. And I think one of the first people that was really sort of changing it was these guys in Atlanta, Jazz and and, and Kenny. Um, and and Barry McGee in, in San Francisco, he was doing his screws. And every before it was like it was all about letter forms. It was about like okay, these letter forms, you got to bomb trains, you got to do this. There was lots of rules and stuff like that. And these guys sort of broke the rules a bit. And I saw, for me at least, I saw an opportunity to kind of like explore more 
ways of interpreting letter forms or, or characters or even interpreting the form itself into like maybe wheat pasting. Right. Which I think uh, by the time you get to San Diego, I feel like that's before I knew you, I knew um, all the unlearned posters that were going up in San Diego. Yeah, yeah, that was the that was the really the turning point for me was when I got to San Diego. I just <laughs> it was kind of funny, like uh, Dave Persuay uh, and I think Zodak were like, "Hey, man, let's go fucking bomb!" And I'm like, "Yeah, man, cool, man. I'm really kind of itching to get out and do some stuff." So we get in the car and we fucking drive to the middle of nowhere in the desert, okay? And there's these aqueducts and we start painting them. And I'm thinking like, what's the fucking point? Like, who's going <laughs> to see? It? I mean, you know, you know the, the cool thing about like doing art on the streets is you're sharing with people. You're sharing ideas. You're sharing like, you're sharing sort of, uh, you know, you're just sharing something visually that's, that's not like an, an eyesore. I mean, maybe an eyesore to some people, but yeah. yeah. So when we got out there, I was kind of like, I was kind of thrown off by the whole thing. And in San Diego, I mean, you don't really think like graffiti when you see like beaches. I mean, maybe in Los Angeles, but not in San Diego. Yeah. So that that's kind of when I switched over when I met Shepard and he was doing the wheat paste thing. And he's just like, you should you should try this. It's like it's a lot easier. It's a lot quicker. And it, it worked for me. I clicked with it. It, it you know, it was it was an environmental change for me. And it, it ended up being a really good thing. Yeah. I mean, for me, it was it was a big like changer as well. Because I was along the same, I was like running with a bunch of graffiti kids, and I was not interested in letter forms at all. Yeah, like I would bring paint my paintbrushes and like rollers to pits, and just like paint shit with my paintbrushes while everyone's like bombing, <laughs> or you know whatever, or like doing a piece. And I, I totally stood out. I was like, this doesn't this doesn't make that much sense. And I remember seeing um, some Mike Giant posters, who was just on the last episode actually that will. It's not up yet, but we'll be up this week. Um, And he had did a bunch of his like weird characters on some big posters. I was like, you know, that fucking makes sense. And then when I saw your your work, there was something very like daunting and like very, uh, you know, against the system. Like I think at the time too, you know, I I think I had just read 1984, so I had this like really like this Big Brother sort of idea going on in my head. You know, right. Like just out of high, I think I read Big Brother like my senior year of high school, maybe, or that following year. Yeah. And you you were you're putting these images up with these with the phrase unlearn most of the time, and it it seemed very um, anti-authoritarian. Yeah, that it, you know all that stuff kind of played into the whole everything I was into in my life. You know, like punk rock and hip hop and graffiti. It was all about like going against the grain, um, to some degree. So you know, when I got to San Diego, like, and I decided to start doing that stuff, I, I decided to start putting more of a message behind my work that was a little bit more blatant. Um, and I, I used the figurative works as sort of a a visual uh, lure to to draw people into the message, and so. You know, you remember our offices over on on Twelfth and G. I mean, that place was like, it was like ghetto as fuck, and you know there was homeless people everywhere. But at the same time, like, I really got inspired by those people because you know being in Atlanta and then being in San Diego and that part of the, of the city, you know these people are like they're sort of almost like wild animals of the urban jungle in a way. You know they do some pretty crazy stuff, and I kind of feel like they're kind of emulating what people are down deep inside that a lot of us hide or, or sort of, you know, sort of put at bay because we don't really want to maybe like act that way. Yeah. It's a little bit more, it's a little bit more of a free for all personality. Uh-huh. 
And that stuff really inspired me. And I, so I started taking pictures of the people and I started drawing them. We had this big glass window outside our office and homeless, it was just basically, I feel like I was looking, I went to like one of those like museums where you're like looking through the glass at like, at like the animal and like there was these people and they would sit in front of this glass window and they'd be like vomiting and fucking and doing drugs and like, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. really kind of crazy stuff. And a lot of it like really was sort of like, it, it was really sort of, it tormented my soul because I just felt really bad for these people. So I started taking pictures of them and I started drawing them. I think, I, I think as a way to sort of better understand like kind of what they were going through. Yeah. Um, and that stuff sort of translated into the whole unlearned thing and kind of the way I was feeling at that time about like being raised in a religious environment, being raised in, in, a, in a predominantly um, sort of sheltered environment with like a lot of white people around, you know, and, yeah. and, and not a lot of culture. Yeah. Or, you know, if if you're hidden from that face of desperation, I feel like that's sort of what you see in people who are at their lowest. Is, right. And it's funny you use, the, and I'm not in any way referring to anyone as an animal, but using that analogy as like looking at like a caged animal who at at all odds is willing to take whatever risk necessary for survival, I guess, at that right. moment, you know, just well, I'm, yeah, faced in of- desperation. Yeah, and they're kind of hooked into, I, I mean, you know, we are animals. I mean, you know, we've sure. evolved from animals unless you right. believe something else, which, you know, that's cool. But um, I feel like, you know, they're kind of they're kind of hearkening back to almost like the roots of humanity in a way, in a sense, yeah. you know, because yeah. they're not trying to, like, they're not trying to front. They're not trying to, like, act like, oh, I have this, you know, they're not writing their status, you know, their status <laughs> is nothing, <laughs> yeah. you know, unfortunately. You know, I yeah. kind of forgot about that block being like that because it's totally different now. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's like all posh. <laughs> 100% different. There's a big Space Invader tile piece up on the on the big wall. And our, that lot that was directly across used to be like a homeless hub. And being being there, you, you become, they become a part of your daily routine and they become your friends on some level, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. No, they were definitely a lot of people were were awesome people. I mean, they had stories to tell and all kinds of things. Um, but some of them, you know, like I had one guy, he threatened to kill me. He like wanted to. He was like an Indian guy. And he said like, "You stole my country from me, and I'm gonna fucking kill you, white man." And I was like, Ooh. "Damn, dude." You know, like I, it, it was a real weird situation. We were trying to do a photo shoot downtown. He just went off, man. Luckily, was it, I just, was it shirtless Indian guy? Oh, you know that dude. Yes. <laughs> I've talked about him on the podcast. You know, he actually was accused of murder uh, maybe uh, maybe six, seven years ago. Wow. Um, there, you know crazy. how downtown in the Gaslamp District, there's all those uh, little um, thrift stores or uh, what's it, pawn shops. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Apparently, one of the owners of one of those pawn shops, somebody came in and killed him. Oh, and serious? he was arrested for it. However, it must not have went through because I've seen him on the street since then. But it's been a long time. That's crazy. But that's creepy that you say that. Yeah, maybe he didn't actually kill someone. Maybe it was just like a maybe something heard on Fox News. <laughs> no, no, no. I remember it was a local story because I I used to see that guy all the fucking time. Like that's that's the characters that you would see. Downtown is so different now. It's so strange. Yeah, Except- you know, I went I went back even I went back there even like a year later and the city was completely transformed. I, I couldn't even believe it. Yeah, I talk about like I romanticize it a lot, like that 99-2000 period of downtown San Diego where it felt like there was uh, an explosion of creativity. People were doing things outside the normal boundaries. Oh yeah. And then 9/11 happened. 
Yeah, yeah, 9-11 was kind of a turning point. Actually, I was actually moving to Los Angeles like the pretty much like right when 9-11 happened. I had no TV. I was in I was moving the next day and like I didn't know what the fuck was going on and my phone was ringing like crazy and I was like what the hell's going on? So it was sort of like right when I moved to Los Angeles like everything just sort of changed on a lot of different levels, you yeah. know, good good and, and and bad, you know. So Well, let's but, let's before you before you went to LA, you you set up shop in San Diego for a number of years. And yeah, yeah, I was down there for from '94 into 2001, so it was a while. You know, I, I DC Shoes hired me right out of art school to come out there and uh, work with them, be, be an art director with uh, Ken Block. So, you know, I, there's something I wanted to ask you because because you have both your feet in the fine art world and the design world, um, and have for as long as I've known you. Um, and I, I was thinking today about like how we have when we make fine art, it's about this thing that I made. Like you have some sort of connection, like you know your signatures on it. You know, like it's a part of you. It has something to do with your emotion. But then uh, you make like let's say you you design the DC logo that doesn't have your signature on it. People who know you and know your work could know that you 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 did these things. Do you feel like the same relationship to them? Uh, of course. Yeah, as with that, even though there isn't as much of the association. Well, you know what the weird thing about the DC logo is. Uh, I'll just use that for an example. Is like I look at it now, and I don't even realize that like I did it. <laughs> you know, it's, I almost think like it because it's become such a sort of like ambiguous like mark. Yeah, I mean, right. I, I see it everywhere. I mean, everywhere I go, I see like the DC logo. I go, I go to Bordeaux. I go to like, I go to like Grotalier, Italy. I go to like Barcelona. I go to London. I go to Portland. I see that logo everywhere. I mean, I've seen it in Australia. It's just like, it, it, I mean, it's it's just, it, I kind of take myself away from it. And maybe that's, yeah, maybe I don't look at it the same way I do my fine art. Because um, when I see my fine art, I immediately have a connection with it that's a bit different than a mark I did for somebody. Um, because I think the 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 purpose of what I was doing it for is is a little bit skewed away from like what I would personally do. Not Not from an aesthetic standpoint, but just for like, a standpoint of just like for for use like commercial use versus you know something that's a little bit more on a personal level yeah um but i you know at the end of the day i really don't sort of see the difference between um the two things that i do i mean i mean especially like uh like now i mean you know i've sort of curved things a bit to make it so that the work that I'm doing now on a commercial level is stuff that I'm also doing on a, on a personal level as well. And it's taken me a while to, to get to that point. I mean, you know, when I was in art school, I mean, the, the thing that was weird was when I was in art school, they didn't have like, we didn't have like computers, you know, yeah. I was taught everything by hand. So for me to do stuff by hand, you know, with the layout or to do something on a canvas was, they were very close they were in very close proximity with each other yeah so i really didn't make a huge distinction between the two it wasn't like i learned the computer and then like picking up like a paint pen or a brush or a pencil was alien to me so i mean it was do you still design that way too do you feel like it's funny that you bring that up because like i learned i basically learned design from you guys i only knew how to paint or draw or whatever and learning how to turn the things into something digital was basically like the same idea of like figuring out how to make a painting. Yeah, totally. I mean, I guess what I learned in school, the most important tools I learned were sort of like color composition and sort of, you know, messaging, like visual messaging, like because I went to school for visual communication. So it was kind of a mix of like painting 
and illustration and design. So I sort of took all those things and put them together. I mean, despite my my you know the people the, my portfolio advisors in school saying I'm gonna I'm gonna completely fail <laughs> what I'm doing. They're like, you can't do both. You can't you can't like do art and do design too. I'm like, why not? Like, is you know why can't I do both? I mean, who says that? I can't do both. So, you know, being, being sort of having that sort of rebellious nature just kind of like fueled what I wanted to do even more. And it worked out, you know, I'm, I'm very, I'm very thankful. Yeah. What I was going to say was, I'm, I'm curious if you still design in the same way that like, as you were learning, like piecing all like the handmade things together, yeah. do you still design in that same way now? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Nice. But I mean, now it's like it's you know the the resources out there we have. I mean, I used to go to the library and I used to spend hours just looking at books. And I think like spending so much time in the library looking at books, I really got attracted to words and paper and the texture, the tactile, tact, the tactileness. Yeah, tactileness. I'm I'm I'm, I'm fucking up right now. <laughs> of of uh, of the book pages, which I use a lot in my artwork. So, and also at the same time, I was looking at a lot of art books. So I was looking at like Franz Klein stuff. I was looking at like Alexander Calder stuff. I was looking at um, a lot of artists like Jackson Pollock and stuff. You know, as I was doing my research, looking for design stuff or inspiration. And I think now it's 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 so much different because everything's like right there at your fingertips. I mean, yeah. I can just go onto Google and I can find anything I need within a second. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. And we're living at this sort of amazing. I mean, I, I kind of talk to people about it, and I'm like, you know, we live in the golden age of humanity, at least within the civilized world. And I'm really thankful for that. I mean, people have like, you know, life's been shit for like people on this planet for like, you know, tens of thousands of years. You know. I mean, even coming from back when we had to like forage for our own food and hunt and try to like survive the winters and stuff like that. And now, like you know, I can we have bed. Most people have beds to sleep in. I mean, you know, I mean, if you're homeless on the street, you're gonna find someone that's gonna give you food, or you right. can find a place to go to the bathroom. I and mean, it's pretty crazy. I mean, if you think about it in the context of like how far human evolution has come, and we're sort of at this little sort of scratch on the surface of like sort of comfort. Um, and yeah. ac- accessibility, accessibility to to so many things, and it's only been like a hundred years. No, really, yeah, it's, of, it's of that becoming, and and so exponentially fast in the last twenty. Yeah, yeah. And on one hand, I, I look at it, and I'm like, wow, this is amazing. But on the other hand, I'm like, you know, this is going to be interesting in the future to see how this pans out. Yeah, I still miss the picture file from the downtown library, which I that talk was about. Amazing, <laughs> Dude, rows and rows and rows of picture files. Like you know the like the type of um like desk or like uh, your teacher had the file drawers, mm-hmm. the big tall metal ones like four right. or five feet tall. It's like four or five drawers. That yeah, I remember for those rows. Things. Damn, that's crazy. All all filed in alphabetical order based on like topic or title. Yeah, or, themes and stuff like that. My lord, it was such a vast library. And is that I mean is that even still there? Well, you know they just redid the downtown library, so I highly doubt it. I don't know. I hope it's still there. I mean, that stuff is beautiful. You know. It must be hundreds and hundreds of pounds of magazine and, like, photos and newspaper clippings. Oh, yeah. We would donate. Like, we would get so many magazines at the black market that, you know, we would just take stacks over their boxes full of stuff and just give it to them because we wanted to contribute to, you know, probably, like, a shitload of stuff we stole. (laughs) 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 
Which was a totally different period back then. Like. Yeah, it was. It was different, man. You know, I have a lot of books that I got from public libraries over the course of my life <laughs> that I've just decided to sort of keep. And they just send you a bill for like 30 bucks or 20 bucks. You just pay it. You know, you kind of feel like you're like, you know, they'll probably get another book, hopefully. Um, you know, I don't know. It's sort of goes hand in hand with the punk ethic when you're growing up being a little dick, you know? I still use the library system all the time. I love it. Yeah, yeah. There's, it's an amazing place, you know. I, I hope that uh, it continues to be sort of funded throughout the course of history. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the digital age. But like, uh, my wife and I were both talking. It's like I like having a tangible, actual thing to hold and read. Like digital yeah. books are kind of nice. Mm-hmm. Audio books are kind of nice, but like to have something and turn the pages and like fold the corners and like smell the ink, kind of, you know, like. <laughs> It feels yeah, it feels better. Yeah, there's nothing like that. You know, it's like when you read the New Yorker magazine. If you read it on with, if you read it as a magazine, or if you read it online, it's a completely different experience. I mean, for some reason, I can't really sort of read as well online that I that I like to do that than when I read. You know, just holding something, and I think it's it's a generational thing. Um, yeah. I mean, I feel like I'm very up on sort of the technology side of things, but when it comes to reading, it's sort of a different experience. Um, at least with me, you know. Yeah, and so you think future generations, because they have, they don't have as much of an association with it, are going to well, no. easier. I, it's easier to get away from it. No, maybe. I mean, on one hand, but I think I think there might be a backlash. I mean, I think there might be a backlash of people that maybe like ten years from now they're like, we want books back. You know, <laughs> yeah. crazy. And and um, you know, I mean, I think I think on, on a lot of levels, like just normal magazines, like Teen Magazine or or whatever, any sort of like. People magazine you see in the store. I mean, the ones that are dying off, I think it's good because, you know, that's there's so much that went into printing those things and there's so much that gets left behind when they're done. Yeah, and a lot of waste. I think, yeah, going digital is definitely better for, you know, a lot of different reasons. Yeah, and the problem with it, it's just instant information, you know. So how do you keep up with instant information without, you know, doing yeah, it digitally? Yeah, thing. yeah. Yeah, and and you know we're all going like full speed now with everything. It's like hyper information. It's like an overload in a way. And actually, you know, I did. I don't know if you saw the series of paintings I did. I did them towards the end of last year, and it was kind of right when the whole reelection was happening with Obama. And I just, I would watch like, I would watch all the news stations. I would flip through all the different news stations. I would watch them all for like you know thirty minutes. So I'd watch like Fox. I'd watch MSNBC. I would watch like uh, the, there's one called Free Network. And then I would I would do these paintings that were sort of based off of the, the dissemination of information that I was experiencing. So yeah. how the media would take things and they would just like tweak it or twist it or change it or or sort of doctor it or edit it or even splice things apart and then sort of represent it to you. It became really sort of nauseating. So I, I did these paintings that were based on that stuff and I just, they're kind of crazy paintings, but that's kind of the way I saw everything at that time period. And I understand why, like, you know, you have certain people that can't figure out why they want to vote because, I mean, if you're watching any of these news stations, I mean, you're going to sway one way or another and it's hard for, I think, you know, people to, come to their own conclusions on things unless you really have the time to do the research you know it's yeah. it's, it's kind of like it's kind of nauseating actually and, yeah inundating yourself with all with that blitz of like watching both sides of like the nuttiness that is yeah. political propaganda yeah but it, it let makes, me just get something straight though i don't watch fox news well i mean uh, well i mean if you're if you're looking at at 
both sides of the story and like looking at the spectacle that is this thing you 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 tend to i don't know at least i, I guess i'm projecting but if i'm I like to listen to as much of both sides as mm-hmm. possible, even thinking if one or the other is ridiculous. You know what I mean? Right. No. So, it, it, and I, I, and why I, I realized I was looking at the show from uh, the Joshua Liner gallery that you did, and I noticed, like, I was like, all the imagery is really discombobulating, and and it's mostly red, white, and blue as well in, in tone, right? Like it seems like yeah. a base color palette. So like a lot of that stuff makes more sense even just knowing like that little bit of information it's interesting. Like and that's what it feels like. It's like there's so much bullshit for anyone to sort of uh rearrange it and put it back together is uh is difficult at best. You know? Yeah, and the paintings that I did for that show, at least the abstracts were they were kind of like interesting paintings to to make because it was all based off that whole sort of theory of just how things are just being like, you know, I kind of feel like almost like if you want to put it in some sort of like context, like, you know, a hurricane and then we're just like this grain of salt going through it, you know, and that's kind of the way I felt with the media, just how much it was just being showered all over the place on different, on everybody. And it was just, it was crazy. It was so overwhelming, you know, and it, it's, I don't think I've ever experienced it on that level. I mean, maybe uh, it started to kind of hint at that at 2008 when when, when Obama first got elected, because yeah. that's when everything was really sort of gearing up and, and getting going. And, and now, like by 2012, it was just like, I mean, you know, social media and, and digital media and technology is just, it's just gone. It's just gone to a next, another level, you know? I know. It's even hard just to think back to 2008, like what, it, what the experience of life was like then. Like, yeah. It, yeah. It feels totally disassociated just based on the amount of information and things that happen on a day-to-day basis, I think. Yeah. Right, right. Or, yeah, kind of, or we're getting older and the memory is just slipping. One of those two <laughs> things. Memory's probably slipping. That's, you know, probably, so. that's true. But yeah, I mean, I, I, kind of, I kind of like all the, all the social media stuff that's going on. I mean, I'm, on one hand, I think, it's kind of, I think it's really overwhelming and crazy. But on the other hand, I think, it's, I think it's amazing. I mean, I think it's really sort of changed. It's changing the world. I mean, if you think about it like, Twitter and Facebook alone. I mean, look how much they've they contributed to getting the information out there during all these riots. The, the, you know, the whole Arab Spring that was going on, and yeah. it's 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 amazing. I mean, the fact that people can voice their opinion for the first time in these countries is amazing. I mean, you know, it's it's going to come with it's going to come with a backlash, you know, to a certain extent. But it, the people are, I respect these people for standing up and fighting for it's, their rights. It seems like a move, and you know, we whenever somebody uses the phrase like "new world order" or whatever, it's it has a negative like uh, connotation. Yeah, right. And but it seems as though if this is the case, and we're we're moving towards a more global society. Whether, you know, it seems to be fueled by business and greed at the moment. Yeah. But if somehow it turns into a more, like, humanistic, like, brotherhood of all people, you know, of the world, we could, we'll see a very, uh, we'll see a very different type of change than I think that uh, we're suspecting by having, like, this new world order idea. Like, it would be really amazing to have, like, a one world order that is actually you know a moralistic you know mm-hmm. enterprise as opposed to like greed and you know oppression and <laughs> and all the things that come along with the, well, the think, issue think, of money yeah i think greed is sort of an inherent part of of us as humans i think in a, on a certain level it's, it's whether we choose 
to sort of like to exploit that, you know? Yeah. Um, I think, I think, you know, when you look at a little kid that doesn't really have much guidance, I mean, that kid will like kick a dog or throw <laughs> stuff at it. You sure. know, they don't really have the sort of like, I don't know, you know, it's like, it's like, uh, Richard Dawkins book, the selfish gene. You know, if you, if you read that book, it's pretty crazy. It talks about like how we've sort of, I mean, even with the animals, I mean, even like dogs, I mean, the dogs are like selfish for attention. You know, we, I have two of them, two pit bulls and you know, they both like, they both just like, yeah, they just bum rush each other to try to get my attention, to, yeah. to vie for my attention. And it's just, it's kind of crazy. You know, it's like they're, they're dogs. I mean, you know, I don't think they're any less intelligent than we are. They just, they just behave a little bit differently, but it's, it's, you know, that, that animalistic sort of behavior is, is inherent sort of in, in our, in our, our genetic makeup, you know? Yeah. And it seems like some of us in society are willing to act on it. Yeah, totally. S- still very Lord of the Flies, even though we're like a hundred years into like living good. Yeah. Right. And, and it I doesn't, think, it doesn't take much. No, no, it doesn't take much. And, you know, it's like, I think people either choose to sort of, uh, like I said, exploit that, or they choose to just sort of like be a good person, you know. And I, I think what made me realize all that stuff when I was growing up is my 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 father's a minister, so you know, and he would you know do his sort of mass or whatever the hell you want to call it. Son of and a preacher man. What's that? You're a son of a preacher I'm man. A son of a preacher man. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> a crazy one though. But he, uh, you know, he would do these. He would give these. He would do the, his, his his whole like Sunday thing and uh-huh. give sermons and people looked up to him and he carried himself really well. But then, you know, on the flip side of it, like as I got older, I started realizing like, you know, I, I kind of thought like when I was younger, he was like this weird, like almost like superhuman person. Yeah. And I kind of even thought when I was younger that I wasn't going to ever die because he was my dad. It was, <laughs> yeah. really, it was really weird. Like I kind of felt like really sort of isolated and sheltered from like the reality of the world, just knowing that my father was a minister. But as I got older, it just completely just turned on me. And I realized that he wasn't any better than anybody else. You know, he did a lot of good things for people, but at the same time, he, he did a lot of really sort of kind of crazy stuff that I won't go into it because I don't feel like it's necessary, but was there just, uh, like a performance aspect to absolutely. Like sermons and things? Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, th- I think he was riding on a lot of that stuff because it gives him a lot of like sort of, um, it sort of boosted his self-esteem in a way which, to have all I these mean, people sort of like, you know, need you and, you know, which is not that different than what we were just talking about and like the need for attention. Like, and yeah. we see it, we see it in creative types all the time yeah like a real need you know maybe actors or you know people who perform have a need for that instant gratification because it feels really fucking good yeah yeah it does right you could almost say that what we're doing right now yeah right you know even though i'm let me let me i'll say that this is for historical context for the future (laughs) but even that is like a super (laughs) grandiose idea right yeah yeah like that like that we need to mark some moment in history so that we could be remembered by it. Yeah, I mean it's been going on since the beginning of time at least, you know, within the within the the modern civilizations, you know, stuff like that. So, yeah, you know, it's like uh I I think for me like I kind of didn't really see the point in what he was doing, but I saw the point and and maybe I mean obviously like, you know, I like the attention I get, but I, I like it more for the attention I get with be, to be able to create some to create something and have that sort of be reciprocated um by their people and even if it's only one person yeah. i mean that's cool it's cool to be able to share things with people and you know for many many years i didn't do any 
I, I never let anyone shoot a photo of me whenever I, you know, would do an interview and stuff because I kind of felt like, why do you want to shoot a photo of me? It's not really about me as much as it is about my art. I mean, right. about something I'm creating. I mean, it, it can be created by anybody. It doesn't matter. It's it's more about the the piece itself. It's not about me as as an individual because I'm kind of like sort of, in a way, just sort of transferring onto the canvas what I'm feeling about the world around me. Yeah, you know, it's not really about me personally. Like, oh, poor me. Like, look at my life. I suck. Sure. You know, it was it was more like you know, there's all this shit going on, and this is the way I view it. Sure, you know, it's a sharing of your experience. But even yeah. then, I think like doing this, I feel like there's opportunities to to understand experience even more uh, on some level. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, we live in a, like I said, we live in a great time. I mean, the fact that you and I could be sitting here do, talking shit and you're in San <laughs> Diego and I'm in Los Angeles and someone might be in like Belgium listening to it, and that's amazing. I mean, that's I mean, that's amazing to me. I mean, I don't think it gets any better than that. Yeah. You know. Until until like five years from now when shit is even more hyper crazy. Yeah, well, it's nothing about that, right? The, the no, I don't know. have to think too far ahead. I know. You start getting depressed. <laughs> you can't. You can't, it's so impossible to even imagine that this would be the right now. Yeah. There's no way. Unless you're like super weirdo, like Nostradamus type. Even though, I mean, that's all like magic anyway yeah it's impossible movies when we were kids you know like the stuff they did on star trek and the stuff they did in like uh you know 20 2010 a space odyssey i mean they were talking to computers and and doing video conferencing and stuff like that and we kind of got a hint of that when we were younger but we just didn't yeah we weren't able to put it into some sort of realistic sort of understanding of like how it would apply to our lives in 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 this day and age yeah you know yeah. it seemed like oh well maybe i have to be on a spaceship or something to be able to like talk to, to mike maxwell on like <laughs> on this whole video conference thing yeah you yeah. know and now i'm just sitting in my backyard you know there's trees around me and you know i, I feel like i'm just as in touch with nature as i am with technology yeah, yeah that's, that's crazy interesting it's, mix it's funny how you mentioned the the old movies the space movies the only thing they really got right about the future is flat screen tvs yeah, they definitely didn't get they definitely didn't get the outfits right. Because there's no way I'm wearing some Spock uniform, and that shit was bugged. Yeah. <laughs> shit. You know, I mean, spandex and really tight fucking clothing. I mean, that's just like I kind of feel like that's where humans are going to rebel. You know, when you see like fashion down, you see people are just they just love rugged stuff, or they have a fat beard. You know, it's like people want to keep that connection to the earth. I think it's what keeps us grounded as humans. Yeah, we jump back every every twenty years. We jump back another twenty. You know, a few steps yeah. forward, yeah, get that attachment to, to what had happened before. Yeah. But, so, but the thing is, dance music's real still, it's still real huge, and I just, I kind of, this never went away. You know, it had its lull. I remember, I remember you were really into electronic music. Uh, yeah, like Stereo Lab and stuff like that. And I feel like it took a little bit of a lull when, um, when raves started to die out. But then it came back. Yeah, I was never into raves. Yeah. I never <laughs> got into it. I wish I would have though, kind of. I think I liked the reason I liked the band like Stereolab is because they sort of they had like a nice mix between like using modern technology but also using like something that's within their soul, you know, their voice or their or their or their fingers to 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 you know use the the guitar to make sounds and stuff like that. I mean, I think that was really, that's kind of why I kind of related to it, you know, with doing art and also using the computer as a tool to to sort of get my ideas out or, or communicate ideas and stuff like that yeah i i i've used that analogy a lot like it, it's funny bringing up the picture file like having that being like looking through record crates you know trying to find a specific sound or record 
Right. Which like I was really into DJ Shadow at the time. Yeah. That, around that time period. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff going on that was great. I mean, I kind of felt like all the music that was going on then with electronica stuff, you know, like DJ Cam and Kruder and Dorfmeister, in that whole thing with like the whole street art thing that was starting to kind of happen with all the people that were doing stuff. I mean, it was it was like it was so amazing. It was so cool, and there was so much good energy around that time. I mean, there's still great energy now, sure. but it was just it was it was you know we were in a great time. You're gonna show everyone your tattoos you got. How many tattoos do I have? You're gonna show everyone the ta- you're gonna remember the tattoos you got. You still have those? Yeah, yeah the tattoos stay. <laughs> oh, no cover-ups, no cover-ups. No cover-ups. <laughs> no cover-ups. Yeah, you got inked from head to toe, huh? Yeah, well, I'm, no, I still got some time left. I just, I was just up in L.A. I got my, my left arm worked on by Mike for a little bit. I'm going to go see him today, man. Yeah, nice. Yeah, he's, he's a cool dude, man. We're going to do a collaboration together right now, so I'm, I'm uh, looking forward to getting back in. That's beautiful, uh, man. I, I swear, I, you know, I, I talk about this a lot, but like, I, I really put you and him and people like Barry McGee and Margaret on this like pedestal of like the cleanest, finest lines of like where, where a clean line should aspire to be at. <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate that. And I don't, it's a goal that I know that I'll never reach, but I, I, I'd like to have it as an as an attainable triable goal um yeah so. you know i i used to always do stuff with pen and ink and then uh cleon peterson would always do stuff with with brushes and he's like i remember like a long time ago like seven years ago he told me he's like you got to just try the brush just start using it you'll like you know it, you'll transfer real quickly and i just started doing it and doing it and next thing i know it, it took about four or five years to really get it down but you know i i, I credit him for for sort of you know, and getting me in, in in line to do that because now it's so much better. I mean, using a brush versus a pen. I mean, at least when it comes to like the different kinds of things you can actually paint on. You know. Mm-hmm. Nice. Well, you're doing about. It seems like you're 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 putting your work out there about once a year now. Doing shows. Yeah, I try to. Yeah, I try to do one show a year. Um, sometimes two, depending on the galleries. If they're smaller galleries, I can do two. But if it's a big show, um, like I'm doing a, a show in Detroit. At Library Street Collective, um, and that that's a pretty big space. So, um, I really need a good like six to nine months to be able to really focus on that. And, you know, I'm I'm, pr- I'm mostly painting now. Um, I mean, I design still like here and there, and I do stuff for people I connect with. But for the most part, you know, my day to day activities are in the studio working on paintings. So I'm spending a lot more time on my pieces. They're becoming a lot more sort of involved. How now great that is I'm- that? Does it feel a lot better? It's amazing. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing because I feel like I've, I, you know, ever since I moved to San Diego and started Black Market, which was shortly after, you know, a couple years after I got there, I just, you know, we had the design studio, we had the gallery, you know, we had 12 employees. I've had buildings for like 15 years of my life with leases and, and all kinds of stuff. So in 2009, our lease was up. And, you know, it's kind of a long story. I don't want to go into it. But we got this house in the mountains and we had some stuff happen to it. And we had to leave Los Angeles. It happened a month before our lease was up. So for me, it was sort of a sign to kind of like change my life. And at at the time, I really didn't – I kind of fought against it. I I was kind of like didn't really understand it. But I just said, you know what? Like I'm just going to go with it. And I went with it. And it was – it ended up being amazing. It's Mm -hmm. My life has changed for the better. You know, at least – You know, regroup your whole situation? Yeah, yeah, and I and I loved what I did for a long time, but it was just I always wanted to just focus on my paintings, and now I'm getting that opportunity, and I'm really enjoying it. The mountains have a way to sort of um, set you straight in that way, right? Uh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, even from the the standpoint of like, if I walk outside and you see how 
how you see traces of how old the earth is. I mean, it really puts the futility of our existence in the, in the check. It makes me know that, you know what, like whatever I'm doing, it's not that important. Just try to enjoy <laughs> life and just, you know, make the best of it. Just know? be the grain of sand in the hurricane. Or? Just be the grain of sand in the hurricane, <laughs> you know. <laughs> nice. That's, that's beautiful. I think that that's a good spot to uh, to end it on. We're, can we um, send some of our listeners to your website, the Twitters, you on the Facebooks? Yeah, I don't do the Twitter thing, but I'm I'm uh, on Instagram. Yeah, Instagram Kinsey Visual, and then uh, my website's KinseyVisual.com. You could find me. I'm around. I live here on nice. Earth. <laughs> <laughs> You want to turn your screen on? We could do internet dap for one second. Right there. Boom. Thank you, brother. I want to thank you again for taking the time to shoot the shit with us. I appreciate it. And uh, and again, um, a big thanks for uh, really setting me off on uh, an art career and being um, a a big inspiration. And again, like a mentor, like I feel like I uh, like you bestowed a a lot of knowledge upon me and uh, and I appreciate it. Well, I I really appreciate uh, hearing that, Mike. That's that's amazing. Um, Thanks for having me on, man. It's been it's it's a great it's been a great experience. I'm glad we finally got to it. <laughs> yeah, me too. All right, Dave, have a great day. You and, too. Uh, and have a merry Christmas. I think this will be out uh, the day after Christmas. So yeah, enjoy your holidays. Man. You too. All right, brother. Thanks, guys. Later. Later. All right, so that's Dave Kinsey. Yep. So what, what he said about um, he didn't want people uh, taking a picture of him in the uh-huh. interview. An ode to him. I'm gonna put like the side by side that I always do. Yeah. But it's gonna be his art and y- your your face. Okay. Nice. Beautiful. Yeah. So an yeah. ode to Dave Kinsey right there. Yeah. Nice. It was, it was good to have him on. Like seriously, it'd been a uh, it'd been a while since we've been trying to do that. And, nice. Uh, he really was like super nice guy. Like showed me so much stuff when I was a probably shithead twenty year old. You know. <laughs> like I think back to those times. Like how important it was for me. Yeah. Like creatively. Whatever. You know, in, in learning, like how the like I got my first art shows going because of them. I built some of my earliest art connections, mm-hmm. um, and in it was really important for me. So it was good to um, try to, because you know, when you're that age, you you I probably didn't seem as appreciative as I am now. You know what I mean? Yeah, because I mean, it took well, too long. I, I had to look back and see. Like, well, I think it was the fact that you wanted it. You didn't see the or uh, could not could not uh, like grasp the fact that it took time but you just wanted it rapidly to come to you yeah and now you look at it like i didn't need that work and i didn't need to get take that time yeah and all that stuff yeah so word that was a good uh a good chat with mr dave kinsey check him out kinseyvisual.com i believe is his website i think he just said it um you can follow us producer lex at producer lex on On twitter Twitter facebook and the facebook's you can follow me at mike maxwell art on everything and uh follow the live free podcast get some shirts yes got some shirts going go to mikemaxwellart.com click on the store there's not a whole ton in stock right now but i'm about to go put in another order today so um everybody i hope everyone had a great christmas lex yep let's hope santa claus showed up to your house and didn't bring coal (laughs) Uh, it's cool for me i'm bad yeah and uh (laughs) Let's see. I think we'll get another show in before the the new year. I believe that will happen. Uh, we'll see. Um, um, Shauna Peterson will be on the next episode. Yes. We'll see if that gets in before the new I'm year. I'm sure it does. I, it, yeah. No, it'll be a day after. I think on the second. Oh, it'll be the first. It, yeah, it'll be the second. So, happy new year, bitches. You got some resolutions going yet? 
Um, yeah, I've been training my ass off. I'm, I'm getting uh, thin. I'm gonna. Yeah, I need to get my little tubs down. Yeah. So I'm gonna go to like full transformation. Stop drinking regularly. If anybody is right now, <laughs> if anybody wants to get in on some New Year's resolution stuff, come join us at uh, Team Nogara Black House, San Diego. If you yep. are bored, the gyms are boring as fuck. If you go to a gym to run on a treadmill and lift weights, that shit is boring, son. I did come that out, for like four years. It's man. boring, it's retarded, and you barely get any work done because you don't push yourself hard enough. Come out, do Muay Thai. Come out, do Jiu Jitsu. Come out, do some MMA, grappling, yeah. boxing. Boxing, and it, you know you could throw some strength and conditioning in there in the yeah. in the middle. They're Come on, do some boxes. martial arts. Um, so yeah, with that, I guess that's uh, a good episode right there. All right, All right thanks, man. bud. Bye, guys. Later. do it.